0: Grace, mercy, and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. In the name of our triune God, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ. There once was a great and powerful city that was under attack by a vast army. And this army had only one goal. They wanted to completely destroy this city and eradicate their entire way of life. And so the inhabitants of that city knew they had only one choice. They needed to send their much smaller army out to intercept the larger army at a distance from the city and hopefully defeat it. But as the people of that city, the ones who were staying behind, watched their men march out to war, they were filled with doubt and fear. They had no idea if they would see their loved ones returned. They had no idea if their army was going to be victorious. And as those hours stretched into days, there was still no word of the outcome of the battle. And that doubt and fear began to grow into dread. But suddenly there on the horizon appeared a lone runner, And so imagine the mixture of emotions the people on the walls were feeling as they watched him slowly come nearer. Was he bringing news of victory? Or was he the lone survivor after a terrible defeat? Now, I'm sure most of us have never been in that same situation. But we have all had times in our lives when we have been filled with doubt and fear, times when our doubt has warred with our faith times when we have perhaps questioned God's plan in our life and wondered if God is being faithful to his promises. Perhaps we face times of trial and testing. And like Peter, we thought our faith was strong enough, but when we see the winds and the waves of adversity rise, we give into doubt. Or perhaps like Elijah hiding in that cave, We look around at the world. We see how it seems like the forces of darkness are growing stronger and stronger. That there's more and more evil in the world, that Christians are no longer regarded as good people in society but people to be avoided. We watch the news and we wonder, is God still watching out for his people? Are there other Christians left in this world or is it just a small few and even two, we soon will disappear? Dear Christian friends, doubt is corrosive to faith. And if that doubt is allowed to grow and fester in our hearts, it can lead us away from God. But unlike the people in that city, We don't have to sit on the walls waiting in anticipation, wondering if the battle has been won. The Apostle Paul, in our reading this morning, reminds us with absolute certainty and conviction that the battle has been won, that Christ has crushed the head of Satan, that the powers of sin, death, and hell have been completely and totally destroyed. And so I invite you this morning to take comfort from God's word, to cling to that hope and to the promises of God that we are indeed more than conquerors in Christ. Now, the section of Romans that we heard this morning is filled with many well-known passages of Scripture. And one that most likely holds special meaning for many of us is Romans 8, chapter, or Romans eight twenty-eight, which says, We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, For those who have been called according to his purpose. Now, this is a verse of great comfort and hope. But unfortunately, at times in our lives, this verse can also be a source of doubt. There can be times in our lives when we face great trial and adversity, when God gives us things that we think are simply beyond our ability to bear. Perhaps we're dealing with the death of a loved one, a son or daughter, a spouse, a brother or sister who has suddenly been taken from our lives. And we question why God would allow that to happen. Or perhaps we've suffered some sort of financial setback. We've watched as our life savings have evaporated in the ups and downs in the market. Or we've suddenly lost the job and we're wondering how we're going to put food on the table next week for our family. Or perhaps we've been diagnosed with an illness, something that's going to change our entire way of life that we are no longer going to be able to do the things that we love to do. And we can be filled with doubt, wondering about God's plans for our lives. We can hear this verse from Romans and say, God, how? How can this possibly be for my good? But this is exactly where Satan wants us to be. He wants us doubting God's promises. He knows how corrosive doubt is to faith. He knows how that doubt can gnaw away at us and eventually lead us away from God. Satan loves to take the trials and hardships of our lives and use those things to turn us away from God. Because this is one of Satan's oldest tricks. This is the exact same trick that he used on Eve in the Garden of Eden when he went to her. Did God really say? And that's how Satan wants us to think of God's promises. He wants us to question whether God really is in control of our lives, to question why God would allow these terrible things to happen to us, to wonder, is God really listening to my prayers? Is God really there at all? But that's not Satan's only line of attack. Perhaps Satan decides not to get us to look at the faithfulness of God. Instead, he gets us to focus on our faithlessness. He gets us to take our eyes off of Christ and focus instead of on ourselves. He wants us to think such terrible, horrible thoughts like, maybe God is punishing me for the sins in my life. Maybe I've done something so terrible that the death of Jesus Christ simply doesn't cover over my sins and that God has now turned his back on me. Maybe I need to do something. Maybe there's more that I need to do to make myself right with God. But that is such a horrible and terrible burden to bear because we know that there is absolutely nothing that we can do to right our relationship with God. But these are the lies that Satan loves to tell us. He loves to use adversity to get us to turn away from God, to focus on ourselves. And he wants us to go down that dark path of doubt into despair that eventually leads us away from the love of our Father in Heaven. Dear Christians, this is why the promises in Romans chapter 8 are so powerful and amazing. They assure us that we are more than conquerors in Christ. They remind us that the battle has already been won. Now, the Apostle Paul is not telling us in this section that everything in our lives is going to be fantastic. That God is going to shower us with wealth and riches. That our lives are going to be easy now we know from Scripture that as Christians, we are going to face times of hardship and adversity. We are going to be persecuted and we are going to suffer for the name of Christ. But God does promise that he will use all these things for our good. Now, the good that the Apostle Paul is talking about here is not necessarily good things in this life. Paul has a larger picture in mind. He has our eternal salvation in view and how God uses times of trial and hardship and suffering to lead us to more fully rely on God and to trust in his promises. But God, in his amazing wisdom, can at times use the terrible things, the evil in this world, for his good purposes. Consider the story of Joseph. How he was sold into slavery by his brothers, how he was placed in prison for a crime he didn't commit, and how he lingered in that prison for many years until he was taken and made the second command of all of Egypt, subject only to Pharaoh. And Joseph used the power and authority to store up grain during the years of plenty and then to give it out for people during the years of famine. And it was later on in his life that Joseph, looking back, realized that God used all of that evil for good. Now, we don't have a promise from God that we are going to be able to see the results as clearly as Joseph. But we put our trust in God, in his wisdom and his knowledge that he will work all things out for our good. Because as we search the pages of Scripture, We see that there is not a single one of God's promises that has ever failed. Our God is faithful and true. Our God keeps his word, including keeping the greatest promise that he has ever made to send his one and only son to suffer and die and pay for the sins of the world. This is the note of victory that the Apostle Paul reminds us of, that we are more than conquerors in Christ. Consider our joy when we hear that message. It is the same joy that filled the people of that city as they watched that man approach and with his last dying gasp cried out, Nike, victory! As he had run the entire 26 miles from the plains of Marathon to announce that good news. This is the same message that Paul is telling to us, that we are conquerors in Christ. And Paul also tells us, Boldly stating that there is no one that can take that away from us. No one can bring any accusation against God's chosen people. What a marvelous statement. Because we know our sins. We know how we have failed God and we know how much Satan, the accuser, likes to remind us again and again of our own failings. But Paul says no one can accuse you. Because you have been declared righteous by the eternal judge of the universe, God himself did not spare his own son but sent Jesus Christ to suffer and die. He handed him over for our sins. This is our Lord and Savior. Our Savior who understands exactly the kind of suffering and pain that we go through in our lives because he endured it himself. He knew what it was like to be ridiculed and mocked for his beliefs. He knew what it was like to face the sting of death and lose loved ones. He knew what it was like to be used for a plan that was going to cause him great pain but was going to be for a far greater good. We hear an echo in those thoughts in his prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane when he says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. As he was in agony, he prayed more fervently. His sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. This is our dear Savior, who never doubted the will of his Father, who lived his life in a perfect accord with the commands of God, but who willingly gave up his life for us. And on the cross, Jesus took upon himself all the times that we have doubted God, all the times that we have sinfully questioned God's plans in our lives. Jesus took those upon himself and paid for them with his life. And in return, as a free and gracious gift of his love, he gave us his perfection so that we can be viewed as God's only dear, beloved children and what's truly amazing about God's love for us. If we had any doubt for how much God loved us, the Apostle Paul tells us in this section of Romans of a mystery, of something that is simply beyond our ability to comprehend. How our God knows each and every one of us so intimately that he chose us before the creation of the world to be his dear children and how there is absolutely nothing in all of creation that can separate us from the amazing love of our Father. Paul says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor rulers, neither things present nor things to come, nor powerful forces, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. This, is the promise of faith that we cling to when we face times of trial and hardship in our lives. And dear friends, we know that we will face trial and persecution. In this sin-filled world, we will face suffering and pain. We will know the sting of loss and death. This is the reality of our Christian faith, which is why the Apostle Paul says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life... Or, What will separate us from the love of Christ? Will trouble or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Just as it is written, for your sake we are being put to death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. This is a picture of our life of faith. This is the good fight that we fight each day of our lives until we are called home to our heavenly home or until our Lord comes again in his almighty power we will face trial and persecution. And the world will want to come to us and say and get us to question God's promises and ask, if God truly is in control, how could he allow evil to happen in this world? And that is when we cling to the promises of God. We remember that even though it looks at times like darkness is winning, the victory, the war has already been won. Victory has been declared. We cling to our God's faithful promises that he will work all things out for our eternal good. We cling to the promise of faith that Christ has defeated sin, death, and hell. That we are justified, declared not guilty by God himself, and that we are more than conquerors in Christ. Amen.